When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of Follow the Boston Celtics. Thank you yet again for downloading the number one podcast on the web, which covers the NBA's winningest franchise, Celtics Beat. CLNS Radio truly values your patrons because of your loyalty to making Celtics Beat the most downloaded weekly Celtics podcast online. We would love to offer a free copy of my critically acclaimed book available at clnsradio.com slash LHR book. That's clnsradio.com slash LHR book. Happy reading and enjoy today's broadcast. Today is Sunday, December 11th, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. Thank you for making us a part of your Sundays once again on Celtics Game Night, where Celtics Beat kind of kicks off Boston basketball coverage on CLNS Radio for the day as we're here pre- and post-game later on on the network, but we'll be here for the next hour per usual. Celtics went down in their most recent contest of the Toronto Raptors Friday night, finishing off what was actually amounts to their first losing week of the year. I was surprised when I saw that, but that game's still fairly fresh in a lot of people's mind. We'll bring in Raptors television color commentator for TSN and Sportsnet 1 up in Canada. Great, great friend of CLNS Radio, Coach Jack Armstrong. Very shortly here, very interested in hearing some final takes in that game from Jack, who had a front row seat, of course, and, and to hear a bit of a rival perspective from Jack on the Celts. We haven't done that this year, and it's a perfect time to do that with Jack, as one would like to think Toronto is clearly Boston's roadblock if they're going to make an extended run in the conference playoffs. So I'm really interested to hear what Jack has to say. The tough schedule continues for the Celtics. They're back on the road again. Little Southwest trip starting with Russell Westbrook. He is of seven straight triple-doubles in the Oklahoma City Thunder. Sunday Celts games mean the Celtics pregame report. As I said, a little later on, a little later on means later on in this show. Because pregame reports on Sundays, they are here on Celtics Beat. Not on the Celtics News Feed channel as they are on on all other days, along with loads of other material. I just had Bob Ryan was on the News Feed this past Thursday, as a matter of fact. Adam Joseph, who covers the Thunder for SB Nation, he will join us to preview tonight's contest as the yes. Once again, Isaiah Thomas, less Boston Celtics, are at the Chesapeake Energy Arena for a 7 p.m. Eastern Time tip. And that is not all. The NBA's trade season effectively opening up this Thursday when many teams can begin trading draft picks and, and free agents they sign this summer. How will the Celtics' salary situation affect and even limit what Boston's able to do this trade season as they try and improve the squad in season if they're going to make that run, which we just alluded to? Hmm. We will ask 
Sam Sheehan, a man who knows his cap and stats very well, believe me. Coming up on episode number 187 of Celtics Beat, which this week is being presented by Audible. Get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at audible.com slash try now. And by Blue Apron. Go to blueapron.com slash Celtics Beat. Give this service a try, folks. Freshly delivered, high-quality ingredients right to your doorstep. And get your first three meals with free shipping. If that, there's that code again. Blueapron.com slash Celtics Beat. We're going to go right to Jack Armstrong right away here as yes to confirm. We have three guests on this week's episode of Celtics Beat. Two very, very brief announcements. One, there's just no possible way that we're going to be able to get to the mailbag in this space live today. So I'm going to put a video up of myself answering your Twitter and Facebook questions and comments at facebook.com slash Celtics Beat probably sometime later today on this Sunday. So you still got time to tweet at me at CLNS underscore LHR if it's early in the morning or again, message us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Celtics and also, December's ticket giveaway, two tickets to see the Celtics host the Memphis Grizzlies at the TD Garden two days after Christmas, December 27th. Winner to be announced on next week's show. Contest done so by purchasing a movement watch using our promo code, mvmtwatches.com slash Celticspeed. Save 15% off on a movement watch. It starts just $95 as is. Free shipping as well. And then email me the receipt, lhrussell at clnsradio.com. We've had great participation in the December contest, largely because of how good of a gift movement watches are. Everyone seems to love them. And because participation is so high, we've been rewarding select entrants with a free Blue Apron meal. So, so this is just a huge win all the way around. Celts didn't get that win Friday. Again, Raptors 101, Celtics 94. But Jack, the coach Armstrong, will have to suffice as a consolation prize. Jack, first off, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome back to CLNS Radio. Oh, my pleasure to be on, and uh, I love the city of Boston. It's uh, always great to, to be in town, and it's always a terrific sports experience playing the, the Celtics in the Garden, and uh, it was a tremendous win for the Raptors on Friday night uh, against the Celtics. Obviously, the Raptors without Damari Carroll, and the Celtics without Isaiah Thomas, but it was a hard-fought game, and they got each other three more times this year, and I'm sure we might even see each other in the playoffs. It'll be uh, It'll be that interesting as we go down the stretch. We hope that to be the case. I'm hoping a little bit for mid-May, not not end of April. That That's not something I would really look forward to. But, Jack, you know, every time we talk to you, be it before games on our pregame shows and now here on Celtic Speed, we always talk about the guard play between these two teams. The Raptors always beat the Celtics because of it, even though these past few years, you know, the perimeter defense has been one of Boston's strengths. And, and the scary thing about Friday was that it was done on both ends by the Raptors defensively, particularly in the second half. Toronto's perimeter D completely stonewalled the Celts from getting into the paint. I do want to get into that, but I'll stick with the offensive end of the court for the Raptors because... Really, what is this? I mean, you got the better seat, the better mind than I do, Coach. And how do the Raptors, be it not just Lowry and DeRozan, but you know, Corey Joseph has had some nice games against Boston the last few years. Norman Powell on Friday night. How do they continuously do this to Boston? I think I think it, it, it's an adjustment as the game goes on. Because if you look at DeMar DeRozan in the first quarter uh, on Friday night, he missed six shots. He had four turnovers. And I, I think the Celtic defense, unlike a lot of the other defenses in the NBA, is it's an adjustment. You're getting blitz. You're getting hit hard, and they're into you, and they're making you uncomfortable. And it takes time to figure it out. And I think to the Raptors' credit on Friday night, they did that. And more importantly, I think once you get adjusted to it and comfortable with it, 
I think you can play a little bit on their aggressiveness. They're an incredibly aggressive team, and uh, I think there are times where uh, they're so aggressive that if you stay patient, uh, they overhelp, and uh, they're a team that uh, really is so energetic that if you just get them locked in a little bit too much, uh, they'll, they'll take the bait a little bit. You saw it uh, yeah, on Friday night. Yeah, they committing fouls. There was some criticism here in the Boston well, fouls, area. Yep. And the yeah. other fouls, and the other thing is uh, quick switches. Uh, we saw it, you know, Kelly Olynyk switching on to a Kyle Lowry or Al Horford switching on to a Jarek Kyle Lowry. was on him a few times. That was another thing. Yeah, you're right about that. Sorry yeah. for interrupting you, but go ahead. And, and I think, in my opinion, there are times where you don't have to do that, where you can, the guard can actually get through the, the sequence and stay locked in, and therefore it creates a mismatch, and now the Raptors went to work on it. And I thought, I thought on Friday night, too, as the game went on, the Raptors figured out how to get DeMar DeRozan going. Uh, Rozier, you know, Rozier in the fourth quarter had a tough time guarding uh, DeMar DeRozan in the post, and they really exploited that. So some of its size, I mean, obviously, Rozier, uh, Isaiah Thomas didn't play on Friday night, but both of those guys have given up a lot of size, uh, yet they're, they're really quick and they're disruptive. Um, you know, so I, I think it's one of those situations where give the Raptors credit. Uh, they, they deal with the initial thrust and energy and uncomfortable nature that Boston puts you in early in games because of their style of play, which, quite frankly, isn't like a lot of the other teams in the NBA. A lot of teams don't play as hard as Boston, which is a credit to Boston. But I think Toronto, to their credit, as the game goes on, they get comfortable dealing with that style of play, and they counter it well. Yeah, their emotional energy, I thought, really grew throughout the game. I thought the real key play was Kyle Lowry's and one three-pointer. I thought that changed the game, the one from the wing there by the sell expense. At the time, the Celts were getting a little cold on the offensive end. I don't know if that was a bit of a regression from the means from that when they just lit it up in the first half, particularly their bench there in the second quarter. But Lowry's 3-1 uh, and one turned a 10-point game when the Raps were kind of looking like they were a team on a back-to-back. You know, kind of not cruising a little bit, but it turned a 10-point game into a two-possession game. And you could just sort of see that they had this, holy heck, we can win this mindset in them. And the Raps at the time had 52 points with 514 left in the third quarter at that point. They finished with 101. A switch clearly went on, and not just defensively, too, where they kicked it out of their gear. I believe the Celtics only had one field goal in the paint from there on in the rest of the way. That was an Al Horford and one when the Celtics were, when the Raptors were in a, uh, any, anything but a three-pointer defense with like a minute 10 to go in the game. They out-rebounded the Celts by double digits from then. And that sort of allows me to shift, really, because I want to talk about that Raptors perimeter defense, uh, particularly after, like I said, that Lowry three-pointer that really just turned a light switch on for the Raptors from that point. I, they came into the game, It looked that looked a lot better than the 17th-ranked defense uh, coming into the game there, Jack, particularly, like I said, on the perimeter. Well, I, I think you'll agree with me watching NBA games now the last few months. Uh, the league is different. I, I was joking about this on Thursday night. You have Tom Thibodeau and Dwayne Casey who basically have their jobs because they have reputations as defensive guys. And they're coaching a game in the first half, going to half, it's 59-58. You know, usually Tom Thibodeau's coaching a 59-58 game at the end of the third quarter. Sometimes at the end of the game, you never know with him, huh? <laughs> yeah. And the league's, the league's evolving. It's changing dramatically. And my point is, 
I think right now, uh, you, know, you can ask this question. This is Boston-centric. I'm going to make a point. I think you'll agree with me. You know, Bill Belichick won two Super Bowls as a defensive coordinator for the New York Giants. But he's going to the Hall of Fame because of offense, not because of defense. He's riding the coattails of number 12. And that's going to get him in the Hall of Fame. And now they're more than happy to win games 35-31. And my point is this. I think today in the NBA, you see it in the NFL, based upon the rule changes, everything's built to favor the offense and everything's built to penalize the defense. And therefore, as a defensive coach now in the league, uh, in this league, the NBA, I think you really have to just play the game and try to get in the way as best as you can and contest as many shots and block out as best as you can and then have that four or five-minute hot stretch defensively where you have a run on the defensive end where your energy level's off the charts and you come up with timely stops. And I, I think that's what the NBA is now, where it's a you know, 108, 104 kind of game, and, and for a four-minute stretch, your team amps it up to another level uh, that you normally aren't used to seeing, and you find a way to win the game. And I, I think that's the world we live in now. And as much as we talk about defensive habits and all that good stuff, the teams that are winning right now are teams that are scoring 105-plus points and getting timely stops when need be. And if it's creating all these runs, I mean, I think that's what you pointed out perfectly with the Raptors last night. They played, I actually want to say they played a little bit more than five to six minutes of great defense. It really started in the third quarter the Celtics were getting cold but then like I said they really did ramp it up there I don't know it was around that five minute mark and they just wouldn't let the Celtics get anywhere and I no, I, I agree I mean there was a, there was a probably a five minute stretch in the third quarter and probably a six seven minute stretch in the fourth quarter where the Raptor defense was elite uh, but you know when you evaluate that against the other 32 33 minutes of the game uh, their defense was poor. And, you know, some of that, you know, comes down to, you know, Boston, you know, and you made a great point earlier, you know, does it come down to the fact that, you you know, you kind of cool off a little bit. Boston made some they tough shots. They were hot they at were home. Really hot. And, and then sooner or later, the law of averages gets to a point where, even though you're getting those same clean looks, uh, you know, you're, you're not Ray Allen. You're not a world-class shooter. So you're not going to make five or six of them. You'll make three or six of them. And, you know, you'll, you'll come back to earth a little bit. So, some of it's that, but again, I, I think this is a this is a matchup between Toronto and Boston right now. That, in my opinion, we're going to see them uh, just like the Raptors. You know, we've lost three times already to the Cavs by three, four, and four. So now the last game of the season, Game 82, is when Cleveland and Toronto hook up again. So right now, Cleveland's already got the tiebreaker on Toronto, and the only way that game has really got meaning is if. Uh, you know, the, the Raptors actually hold the lead on Cleveland. But I, I personally think we're going to see Boston and Toronto, you know, in that same scenario 
uh, as we get down the, the stretch of the season where they're playing for that two three seed. I really, you think of, you right think now. you think of, you think of that of the Celtics? I know the Celtics didn't have Isaiah Thomas uh, Friday night, but you know the Raptors were on a back to back, and and they've really played very well against the Celtics these last two years. You think of that even after uh, you know what you've seen? How good Toronto? Because I'm very impressed with Toronto. Jack. I think that's the deepest. I am too, but I I, I think I think that. The equation that comes into play that's going to happen between now and February 23rd is that the Celtics not only want to make a move, they have to make a move with all the young contracts that they have. And in my opinion, uh, right now, there's, you know, there's going to be 14 teams that don't make the playoffs. And already you probably have eight or nine of them that know that they're definitely not making the playoffs. I think as, as the clock ticks on a day-to-day basis, I think eventually somebody in that group of 14 teams is going to blink and want to take a package of good young players and draft picks from the Celtics. And now suddenly I think the Celtics are going to be positioned with the core group that they'll hold on to, to be right there in the thick of things. I look around the Eastern conference in terms of which team has the most upside uh, to take another step. And based upon what I see, I think it's Boston, and I think them and Toronto will be in the hunt in April. So real quick then, it gets you out of here because it's actually going to leave us to our next segment coming up with Sam Sheehan as we preview the NBA's uh, really trade season that's going to be kicking up this, this Thursday, I believe, that December 15th is when a lot of teams can start trading their players. I'm going to ask you, like, what's your real takeaway from the Celtics as a unit of, I mean, what's something that's just a facet of the game that you think that they could really use to get them to they that way they can seriously compete with Toronto in a playoff series? Uh, I think there's something missing in the front court. I really do. I, I, I think that uh, there's just not enough pop there. Uh, I'm a huge Amir Johnson fan. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure how much he's got left as a starting player. I think he's still a good reserve player. Uh, I, I'm a big Kelly Olynyk fan, but I think he's better suited coming off the bench. Uh, a kid like Jarepko, I'm a, I'm a fan of him. Again, I think he's more suited coming off the bench. Uh, so I, I think a guy like Al Horford needs a little bit more support up front. I think their guard play is solid. I'm a huge Isaiah Thomas fan. Uh, I'm a huge Shea Crowder fan. I think Avery Bradley's really taken another step as becoming more of a polished, good player. Uh, I just think they need a little bit more pop and polish in their front court. And to me, uh, they have a great young coach in Brad Stevens. I just think that uh, they need another guy. And, you know, it's interesting from a Toronto perspective. I think Toronto, when I, when I evaluate Toronto against Cleveland right now, I don't think they need to go get a superstar, but the Raptors have two more number one picks this year. They have the fourth youngest roster in the NBA. And in my opinion, their time, their window is open right now. Do I think they're an NBA championship team? Right now, no. But do I think that they can close the gap a little bit and stand in the middle of the ring for 15 rounds with Cleveland if they get one more good player? Not a great player, but a good player. I think they can, and uh, in my opinion, they're going to have to be out there looking around as well. But I think the Celtics have a better situation in terms of what they can go out and do in a trade market uh, to try to really create a better dynamic for their team. And I think both of these teams are teams you got to keep an eye on 
uh, with that. I, in my opinion, I think it would be it would be really difficult as a fan to accept the Boston Celtics or the, the Raptors just to say, you know what, we have no shot against the Celtics. I mean, against the Cavs, we're just going to cave in right now. And in my opinion, yeah, I understand that a lot of times the teams like the Cleveland Cavaliers could never beat the Chicago Bulls. I get that. But you got to try. you got to go down fighting. And in my opinion, both of these teams are in a position to, to at least give that team a significant run to the playoffs. Well, you never know what could happen. God forbid an injury does happen. Uh, but, hey, um, Jack... Rap, uh, Celtics at Raptors January 10th. I guess we will talk very, very soon. Not too long away. We'll get you on the pregame show. Jack Armstrong, Toronto Raptors color commentator. Thank you so much for joining us on Celtics Beat once again. My pleasure. Always a thrill to be on, and I look forward to chatting you in the new year. we got to take a quick break, but stay tuned. Much more to come. You are listening to Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. Today's episode is being powered by Blue Apron. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron has become the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. With December upon us, it's now the holiday season and Blue Apron makes the perfect holiday gift. Research shows that Blue Apron families cook together three times more often. This creates strong family bonds and actually saves money. Those who spend a lot at restaurants know it's super expensive. High-end grocery chains, fast food restaurants, buying for the whole family can become absorbent. With Blue Apron, you can spend under $10 per meal. In December, my personal menu will include braised cabbage with barley and glazed apples, Thai green coconut curry with sweet potato and jasmine rice, brown butter and chestnut gnocchi with Brussels sprouts, and pea shoot salad. And all that for just $10 per meal. Sound amazing? Well, today we are offering CLNS Radio listeners three free meals and free shipping. There's no risk involved, and you will love how good it feels and tastes to create home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Treat yourself or a loved one this holiday season to Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Go to blueapron.com slash Celticsbeat to redeem your three free meals and free shipping today. We don't have much time today squeezing in three guests and a pregame segment. We are back here on Celtics Beat, so let's waste no time. Larry A. Trussell being joined by Caps and Stats aficionado, Mr. Sham Sheehan. Hey, Larry. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. it. Very good to have you here, Sammy. I've always had such a tremendous respect for the Celtics Reddit community. I do try to participate more often than I do, even though I read it, especially in, in season virtually every single day. And... I had your partner in crime, uh, Ryan Bernardoni, here a few weeks ago to talk about his piece that he on a Celtics hub last month, which identified Celtics trade targets as the NBA trade season about to unofficially or officially open, what is it, this Thursday, I believe, December 15th? Is that, do I have that right? Yeah, yeah, that's about, usually around there is when you're going to start seeing some things uh, just because of... Uh, some of the mechanics of the cap. Yeah, the most interesting part about R- Ryan's piece, a.k.a. Danger Card, uh, his, mm-hmm. his work, but uh, was the names that he mentioned and the backline story of why he mentioned those names. And I got into it with Ryan a bit here a, f- a few weeks ago, and you know where I'm going here, Sam. So if you can, especially those who listen, who may not be immersed in how the Celtics are managing their salary structure for, I don't know, what is like seven, eight months now, talk about the strategy the Celtics are going to utilize here. Okay, so well, one of the uh, 
one of uh, Ryan's theses from way back and one of the things that I think we've, we've seen play out time and time again with the Celtics is that Danny Ainge is a big game hunter. And every – like what, what they're always going to be looking for is adding prime top-shelf free agents. And with that in mind, um, you've seen the Celtics really hoard their cap space and really make a lot of decisions based on you know having that max cap space next year. Now, what makes this a little bit of a juggling act going forward is that um, it's kind of a weird time for the NBA. They're currently in collective bargaining agreement um, negotiations, and that affects what the cap is going to be and how some of this money stuff is going to work, and it's going to affect who the Celtics are going to sign going forward. So one of the uh, one of the things, you know, it's it's kind of like trying to jump onto a moving train a little bit, what Mike Zarin and Danny Ainge are trying to pull here, but you're going to see them you know, they, you've really seen them protect flexibility going forward. However, they're, you know, we're going to get into it a little bit later, but some of the uh, factors are really going to limit their ability. And it's got, they got kind of a ticking clock on them where sometime in the next, you know, year and three months, we're going to see them uh, almost definitely make a big move. Why? Because we did talk about this before we got on air. Why? If you want to get so, into, that, into detail. Right. Okay. So one of the, one of the big things is, um, how the salary cap works is there's something called uh, bird rights that lets you re-sign your free agents. Um, now, in order to stop teams from you know abusing this uh, you know this ability to re-sign free agents, when your own free agents have what are called cap holds on them, um, you know I can hear people's eyes already starting to glaze over. So you know the important part is you're owed you yeah um, these cap holds affect your salary cap and how you can spend it. And in 2018, the Celtics are going to have Avery Bradley, um, Isaiah Thomas, and Marcus Smart all coming off the books at the same time. Um, And those cap holds are going to add $14 million to the Celtics books without them even being signed, just basically how the cap works, assuming it stays pretty much the same under the new collective bargaining agreement. So the Celtics are going to lose almost all of their cap space just just on this cap hold mechanic because they have so many um, players that are um, below market contracts, especially Isaiah Thomas, especially Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart. And all three of them coming off the books at the same time um, is really going to affect the, you know, the Celtics cap space going forward. Um, You know, they're going to lose $14 million right there. And it's like, and you could say, okay, well, why don't they just, just resign Isaiah Thomas or just resign Avery Bradley? Well, the way the salary cap has moved up, um, you know, there's a good chance that just re-signing one of those guys will be as expensive as having all three under contract the past couple years. So with that in mind, the Celtics are going to need to make a move before the 2017 trade deadline if they really want to maximize this cap space. And said move will most likely be a free agent this summer. One one thing real quick. As of now, I just want a quick confirmation for you. As of now, the Celtics are scheduled to have a maximum salary slot to throw at any type of free agent this summer, correct? Well, it's actually pretty interesting. So they they are definitely going to have a one- to six-year max. So player player maxes are divided out into like um, how many years of experience a player has. One to six years, which those clients are usually coming off rookie scales. They don't happen that often. Uh, seven- to nine-year max and a 10-year max. Um, right now, the Celtics are kind of, depending on where the CBA goes, they actually project to have a little bit less than the seven- to nine-year max. Based on, you know, I'm basing this on a couple of different things, um, but namely um, the rumored 50% uh, raises to um, rookie scale contracts and all that stuff. Basically, one of the things they might need something um, like maybe Gershon Yabusele staying out for an extra year, which I think 
um, would be, you know, I, I don't know, Celtics fans, that might drive Celtics fans a little bit crazy to not be able to see the Dancing Bear for another year. But, or, you know, it, it might even be a, like a waving a Jordan Mickey or a Demetrius Jackson, if need be, to get to that uh, total seven to nine year space. But they are pretty much right there, but they might need to do something minor like that to push them over the edge to get to that seven to nine year veteran max bucket it looks like they'll probably do almost every means possible for them to get it done i actually do have faith that they will get it done one quick point too i was just thinking about this when you were talking about the challenges of the new cba mike zarin is so close in the ins and outs of the league i highly doubt that the sellers are going to be kind of caught like completely like off guard with something like really new in terms of the new salary cap they he's got to be providing them some sorts of uh, inside information but I mean, just really going back to what you said earlier, and, and, how, and we've been talking a lot off the air over the last few days about this. No question, and Ryan brought this up in his trade piece too. This is really how this this got going. Was when I had Ryan here a few weeks ago, and I read his piece on Celtics Hub a, a few weeks ago. Is I mean, all these trade possibilities that you see from fans and internet communities? God forbid, Reddit. You know, we can you can accuse them. Get the brown shirts out if we need be. But <laughs> just to confirm, Ryan said this too. There's just going to be no chance that unless you see, God forbid, a Paul George come on the trade market, no chance you really see the Celtics trade for anyone with salary after the season. Is that correct? Yeah, I I would agree with that. Uh, you know, pretty strongly, unless they're making a move for someone, you know, to uh, you, you know, who's really an impact player. I would I would put Demarcus Cousins. Okay, yeah, in I was that bucket, Cousins, Cousins and he, George, but no, you know, Nick Vucevic's and uh, no, yeah. no, no, no. It, it need to be a guy who would really need to make an impact because effectively, what you're doing when you're trading for someone is you're declaring yourself mostly done, um, adding impact pieces unless you know. You're, you, as far as the cap space, you would need to start sending back impact players like Avery Bradley, like Jay Crowder, like Isaiah Thomas, and like the Marcus Nets Smart, and the Nets picks, you know, uh, and, and and even on top of that, you know, so trading that stuff away is not, you know, you're, you need, you need to be adding a talent that makes sure that you're going to be competitive because you're really capping yourself at that point, no pun intended. <laughs> Not just competitive, too. I would say a title contender. Because, like, I would say, let's say you trade – I mean, let's say you make a trade for DeMarcus Cousins. And I'm just using this as a complete hypothetical because I actually think there's, like, a less than 0% of something like that happening. But let's say you have to trade a couple Nets picks for DeMarcus Cousins and then some other, I would say, impact players to make it happen. You have to hope that that's your title contender. That's it. And Because if you don't, you're pretty much, like you said, you're done. Whereas if you go into this summer – with the max slot for free agency, and you take and you roll a dice at a Paul Millsap, or you roll a dice at uh, Gordon Hayward, I think is someone they are definitely going to pursue. Uh, you know, you still you can say, oh, geez, well, you know, Isaiah Thomas, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, and a bunch of moving parts after that. That's not a championship team. But you can further elaborate on this, Sam. You still have a lot more flexibility going forward in terms of keeping the Nets picks. And really all it does is just cost you money against the salary. If you want to just further go into detail. Right. Exactly. And I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up uh, Paul Millsap, a pet, uh, pet of um, theory of mine that I, I like him as uh, another uh, sneaky under the radar target for the Celtics. If you want to, um, if they're really in a win now mode. Um, yeah. Basically what's important to note is that um if the Celtics do a trade in season this year, like we we've already covered, it'll it'll dry up the cap. Um, r- rolling into next season, in order to get to that max cap space, the Celtics are going to need to renounce uh, Jonas Jerebko, Amir Johnson, 
Um, they're going to need to waive Tyler Zeller, and they're going to need to re- renounce their restricted free agent rights on uh, Kelly Olynyk. Now, they would only need to do that stuff when they when they are signing this new free agent. So they can kind of hold on to those rights and see what's going on. Um, but, you know, those first three guys are going to be totally restricted um, – or, sorry, totally unrestricted. Um, Tyler Zeller has an $8 million option, so they would you know, be able to waive him. But Kelly Olynyk is probably going to be affected by some of these restricted free agent um, rights, which is one of the things they're rumored to change in the new CBA. Um, and they're, you know, they're rumored to lower the salary matching window. So by going into the next offseason with that cap space and trying to get that big-name free agent for, like you said, basically nothing, um, just signing them with Wick Grosbeck's money, that's going to be – and mine, I have season tickets. Those go yeah, out okay. when they make it. Okay, let's, let's, <laughs> let's, go ahead. Uh, season ticket holders, yes, exactly. The uh, the season ticket holders' money. Basically, um, you're 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 kind of gambling. You're kind of trying to thread the needle because if you whiff, um, there's a chance someone could sign Kelly Olynyk to a two day offer sheet, and if you have to keep that um, if you have to keep that open, you could end up losing Kelly Olynyk and then having no one to spend the money on. So it's a little bit of a gamble. To do that, um, I, mean, I think we've all seen. You know, he he hasn't he hasn't been quite as effective early on in the season, but we've started to see him round into you know f- his old season form. Kind of bit. in oh, the same okay. pace as what he was at last year. Remember, it really wasn't until that Suns game, January seventeenth and January, when he really got rolling. I'm sorry, Sam. Go ahead. No, yeah, exactly. And that's and and you know that's kind of I think people don't understand what a good player Kelly Olynyk is. So that's you know he really is defensively, just because he looks out there, he looks so awkward. People don't realize what a great positional defender he is. I think people are kind of starting to figure that out. Um, but he really is a, a, a plus-minus god in terms of you know how he affects Celtics winning. So by doing that, you know that's, that's the risk you run. Now, that said, you could add a Blake Griffin, a Gordon Hayward, uh, a Paul Millsap, um, a Kevin Durant. Uh, Steph a, if Curry. We get, yeah, I was going to say, if we want to get real crazy, <laughs> a Steph Curry. Because, look, this cap situation, the the Warriors really threaded a needle. So you don't never know what's going to shake off of that wagon, um, so you, you know, if, if something bad happens. So you want to be ready. Probably it's fine. Probably those guys go back, they sign, whatever. But let's not forget who uh, the runner-up in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes was. So, you know, like, let's not... I, I, that's going to sound crazy to, to everyone, but you know these. This is why you keep your options open, and this is why you're ready for these type of situations. I um, think Gordon Hay. I think they have a great shot at Gordon Hayward. Let's say hypothetically they do sign Gordon Hayward or Paul Millsap. They're able to get someone who's worth the max salary slot, and they use it. Where now then does that like there? It's it's done. Gordon. Let's say I. Let's say it's, let's say it is July fourth, two thousand seventeen. They sign Gordon Hayward. Where does that then leave them with Kelly Olynyk uh, and and all these other free? How how are they able to be able to bring them back if they can at all? They, well, that's the thing is they they probably just can't at that point because okay. they've used up every well unless those guys were willing to come back on something pretty below market for what they were worth. Uh, maybe Jonas Jerebko would be interesting interested in uh, whatever the new um, room mid level exception would be, but. Um, you know that's pretty much the only tool the Celtics would have um, to signing additional free agents once they get that max spot. And you know you could tell from the list of the guys I just meant, mentioned that's it's really going to hurt their big depth 
um, if they do get this max free agent, they're lo- they would be losing Amir Johnson. Yeah, that's okay. The Celtics are a great rebounding team with incredible big man. Anyway. <laughs> I, I mean, I, well, especially their top rebounder, Jonas Jerebko, uh, which uh, I've you know I've I've pointed out that maybe when Jerebko's added to the starting rotation, it's for rebounding purposes. But this is you know that's something going forward. I mean the. They're going to be re- awfully reliant on unproven international rookies in Gershon Yabuselli and Ante Zizic if they're good, you know, for big minutes next year, or or even Jordan Mickey, and especially if you're signing Gordon Hayward or guys who don't play big positions. Um, so that's going to be something that's going to be you know interesting, and you know, how far can you go with Al Horford and Tyler Zeller? You know, you that would probably need to be something that would need to be addressed. Well, the one the one thing I, I'm going to interrupt you here, Sam, and I I'll use Golden State as an example. If you do, if you are able to once again get another very good player on the roster, is that then players start playing for you for far less. We saw that with the Celtics back in 08 and 09. You're seeing that with the Warriors, Zaza Pachulia and David West. Now these are not like you know, I'm great. Although I, I'm a, I like Zaza, um, mm-hmm. but they then go to those teams if you're able to you know get get the right. players in pace. What about <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, well, yeah, I mean, you you always run the risk of getting those ring chasers, but uh, are you know being able to get those ring chasers. I think the Celtics, like we were talking about, I think that they would need to make one more big move. Like uh, you know, at that point, if you've signed a big free agent and you've used all your cap space, you can now get in the market to start trading for you know uh, another star, so a, a fourth star, um, you know. Let's say, you know, let's keep an eye on the Pacers situation and see what happens with uh, Paul George. I Very interesting. So you're saying it is now with the new CBA, we don't know and everything. Well, of course, Mike Zarin should be on top of this for mm-hmm. us for us fans. But you're, you're then saying that you can still logistically go out and trade for Paul George, Jimmy Butler, and then even if you want to go a little bit down the ladder, more towards like a Nerlens Noel and the big man situation. Because like if they're able to sign someone, you still then have the Nets picks assets left over. Go ahead. Right. Exactly. So what what would what would be the difficult part at that part um, at that point next year? Let's say you know we did sign a max free agent. Um, coming up with the matching salary without sending back um, someone really important. Um, the Celtics won't have a lot of mid you know the mid level you know eight million uh, twelve million six million dollar contracts they've had in past years. So you know they would need to be sending out a Jay Crowder. And every badly or something like that to make you know some of these salaries work. So you are giving up a lot, but chances are you know if you're getting a star, you're going to need to be giving up a lot in the first place anyway. So that's you know that's something that you, you know that's worth thinking about. But I think I mean like you said, uh, Mike Zarin is on top of this. Uh, the Celtics are one of the best front offices in the in the game. We definitely see them. Even things that seem to not make sense to, you know, uh, people, you know, just uh, the casual observer or even in my case, someone who knows the cap, um, there's always reasons for it. Like I really didn't like the decision to waive R.J. Hunter. Um, you wanted and, Gerald Green gone, if I recall. Is that yes, I did. I wanted our, you know, to waive Gerald Green or, you know, James Young or one of the two. But then the Celtics go turn around and renounce, you know, the fourth year on James Young, which tells us now that they are very concerned about getting to max cap space because and they are saving every single dollar they have in 2718, and that's why both those guys, both of those guys, were going to end up being renounced 
it was just a matter of which one is more likely to help the team um, this year. And they uh, they went with James Young correctly, I would say. So it almost then, and you mentioned this earlier, and I'm sorry to reiterate, it does bring (laughs) a lot of pressure likely on Zizic and... um... What's the guy, the dancing gummy bear's name there? Uh, Gershon Yabusele. They almost have to, not have to, but it's probably about 95% that they have to stay overseas uh, next year. No, well, I, I wouldn't go that strong. Uh, Zizic will probably come over. Um, what I was saying is that, you know, they're going to, the Celtics are probably going to be in a situation where to order, uh, to offer a full seven to nine year max to a player. And, you know, it's going to be even tougher with a 10 year max because, yeah, a, a seven to nine year max projects to be about twenty nine million dollars a year next year. A ten year is about thirty three million, so that's like a a four million dollar difference just just in those buckets. But the Celtics are project to be a little bit below that. Right now, I I have on my projections them to be about seventy six million dollars um, total with uh, Yabusele and Zizic, which is um, twenty six million dollars, which is about three million dollars short. It, bear in mind that this is all very fluid and I'm kind of, you know, I'm making a lot of assumptions. Um, that said, they're going to end up being, you know, they're going to need to – that money needs to come from somewhere I guess is what I'm saying. So, um, you know, you've got non-guaranteed contracts next year for uh, Demetrius Jackson and Jordan Mickey if need be. But those guys are only making uh, $1.3 and $1.2 million respectively. Um Yabusele, with his cap hold, and you know, if they end up doing fifty percent raises to the rookie scale, he's going to be almost exactly three million dollars. Um, and I think part of the reason we might have seen Yabusele drafted so high—he was not on anyone's radar—was um, because you know he might be willing to stay out uh, multiple years. Ryan brought this up, yeah, here two weeks ago. Yes, uh, th- yeah, th- exactly, and that's one of you know that's something. That, well, that's something worth keeping an eye on, you know, like. Uh, Especially, I know I know people want to see the dancing bear as soon as they can, but um, I'm all you know, set. right? But uh, <laughs> you know, not necessarily, you know, not for nothing. I think it's worth noting that um, to prepare yourself that you know he might actually be out an extra year if that money is going to be coming from somewhere. But the, and also, I'm an NBA outsider. This is all absolute, you know, speculation. But that's just kind of the way the numbers work out. The other important thing to note, um, what really affects these numbers is where the Nets pick ends up. Yeah, I have it projected. At Please three. go into this. Okay. Go yes. Ahead. Okay. So the, uh, so the, the Nets pick, um, right now I have it projected for at three in a lot of my projections. And I think that's actually a little bit ambitious just based on the lottery. And, you know, when you're that high in the lottery, you're more likely to drop than you are to, you know, stay the same or move up in the lottery. So, you know, I think realistically right now, I think I, I just took a peek at this. The Nets are most the Nets pick is most likely to be four or five right now. Um, I'm going to put it at three because I'm an optimist, and that's good. That's a lot of money. That's um, seven point three million dollars. So if that were to be lower, if you know Jeremy Lin were to return and yeah, lead the Nets, God forbid, on a winning tear. Um, <laughs> I, sorry, by, they, by their relative terms, of course, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, they you know that that could drop and then that money could show up right there in the Nets pick coming down. Um, now that's the only pick they have next year. Um, so uh, you know, 2018, uh, you know, I've got they've got a couple picks. 2019, they've got a couple first round picks, and they've got you know even more second rounders. But that's that's another you know that's another one of the things that makes you know 
making these projections so hard because you, you just don't know where this stuff's going to end up. Yeah, it sort of goes back to what I was thinking about over the summer as to why they weren't a little more aggressive. I mean, oh, I, I know they probably tried as damnedest as they could, but when you had Rich Gotham come on this broadcast here, I want to say about nine months ago now, saying, yeah, we can't make all eight picks, and the team does make all eight picks. You do really wonder why if they, if they weren't... I don't know. I mean, I just think they probably could have been a little more aggressive and, God forbid, even giving some of those first-round picks away. Although, let's see. You know, maybe they were able to kind of get away with it by taking some of those international players and stashing them uh, overseas long enough so that way they don't really hinder the salary cap for this particular summer. Real quick, I do want to shift gears because I want to kind of get you out of here to get to our pregame show. But looks like the we had Tim McMahon here on the Celtics news feed uh, broadcast here, ESPN's Tim McMahon, Dallas Mavericks reporter. I had a brief chat with him about five minutes to talk about the Celtics situation with Andrew Bogut. Andrew Bogut's status down there in Dallas. Mark Stein, God, you know, there it is, puts out a report on Friday saying Celtics leading the pack and the services for Andrew Bogut. Yes, they are interested. So if they're interested, there eventually should be mutual interest. Tim said that Dallas is still trying to, quote-unquote, salvage their season. Once again, if you want to listen to that, that is Celtics news feed uh, on the CLNS radio mobile app and, of course, iTunes and Stitcher. Still trying to salvage their season, but as we get closer and closer to the deadline, does that really look like the only logistical move that the Celtics will make or at least uh, try to make? How about that? I don't uh, – I mean, I, I, don't know that, I don't know that it's the only move. Because of um, the salary situation. Right. I think, you know – um, the Celtics are in a pretty similar situation, actually, to what they were in last year, where they're trying to preserve cap space, but at the same time, you know, they are a playoff team that does want to, you know, win. So, you know, if we, I would be surprised if we saw a move before the trade deadline, for the reason that just in case, you know, I don't know, Demarcus Cousins like. Uh, sets sleep train or whatever it's called now on fire um, and demands to be traded or something like that, then the Celtics are ready. Um, And I think that, you know, as unlikely it is as it is, something like that is worth sitting on your cap space up until exactly the trade deadline. Um, Now that said, you know, they do have Tyler Zeller, Amir Johnson, Jonas Jerebko, all these expiring contracts that are mid-level and, you know, this is kind of – this is a little bit of why they signed Tyler Zeller to $8 million that I think most would agree is probably pretty above market for uh, Tyler Zeller um, is to be able to match um, this money. Because you can match within like uh, – I think it's about 120, 125 percent of what that salary is. So this way the Celtics can hang on to an Amir Johnson or a Jonas Jerebko while sending out Tyler Zeller in these sorts of trades for matching money and you can, you know – kind of almost generate like about three million dollars in space just by you know being able by virtue of being able to match versus um just taking that player like let's say they never signed tyler zeller and they just were trading for andrew bogut into cap space um you can take on more money that way so that's kind of why they did that um now that said I think, um, you know, rebounding and, you know, especially a good passing big like Boga, that's definitely something um, the Celtics are going to be interested in. I think another thing they might be looking for, um, as they always, always, always are, um, is uh, a 3 and D shooting wing who can mostly three. This is a team that wants to be in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Cavs. So with that in mind, uh, you know, those sorts of improvements um, with no salary going beyond the year, 
are definitely something you can see the Celtics looking at um, close to the trade deadline. I would say um, the risk that a you know a Paul George or a Boogie Cousins becomes available midseason um, is enough of you know a deterrent that the Celtics wouldn't probably wouldn't make a trade before the trade deadline, right before the trade deadline in February. But um, who, who knows? Um, yeah, you know. Sam, I got, I got to go to a commercial break real quick, but I really okay. want to get this in with you. So real quick, mm-hmm. when can they trade Tyler Zeller, and why is his contract more valuable than Amir Johnson? Because I know you know that one if you want to tell our audience. Right, quick. exactly. Okay, so um, th- Tyler Zeller um, g- going to be available for trade, um, I think, j- I'm pretty sure January 15th. Um, and what? Why his contract is more valuable? He has a second, um, a second year, uh, eight million dollar option that's uh, totally non guaranteed, which is the same that, that you know Jarebko and Johnson had last year. Basically, what that means is a team can take on Tyler at no risk for that second year, and they can use him as salary matching in 2017-18. So he's just a valuable chip for any team to have because they can do a lot, and it gives the team a lot of versatility that same versatility that you know the celtics value and it's that versatility that ultimately got them isaiah thomas in the long run so sam sheehan follow him on twitter oh i had to cut you off there we gotta go to the break but follow him on twitter at sam sheehan also listen to me yes on the clns radio network and the mobile podcast app co-host of scorching shamrocks all right Uh, celts in oklahoma city thunder night first look at russell westbrook celts thunder pregame coming up next Today's pregame report is brought to you by Movement Watches. Skip the crowd and standing in lines at the mall this holiday season and find a gift they'll love and beat those absurd prices at the department stores. Movement Watches start at just $95, whereas department store watches go for four to $500. Movement figured out that by selling online, they were able to cut out the middleman and retail markup, providing the best possible price. Classic design, quality construction, style minimalism. Get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mbmtwatches.com slash CelticsBeat. These watches are clean and sleek, and their high quality and classic designs will leave you getting compliments from your peers all over. Get it for you and your family and friends as movement makes the perfect gift. Go to mbmtwatches.com slash CelticsBeat. Join the movement. You're listening to CLNS Radio, home to the original Celtics podcast, Celtics Stuff Live. Thanks, Justin. Back here with the Boston Celtics pregame report. No Celtics Monday tomorrow. Celtics Stuff Live will air per usual, 9 a.m. Eastern time. But Sunday games mean the pregame reports are not on Celtics newsfeed. They are here on Celtics Beat. Boston and Oklahoma City tonight to take on, oh, some guy named Russell Westbrook in the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's the Celtics' 24th game of the year, and the Thunder, coached by Billy Donovan, come into the game with a record of 14-9, and they are ranked 18th and 6th, respectively, in offensive and defensive efficiency. And joining us now to provide insight into said matchup and said team, Adam Joseph. Adam covers the Thunder for OKC's SB Nation blog. Welcome to Loud City. Adam, welcome to Celtics Beat. No, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to have you, Adam, that's for sure, for you even to say that. But getting to this game tonight, another triple-double for Westbrook back on Friday. The Thunder did have their six-game winning streak snap. But, yeah, take the podium, please, on this historic season of Russell Westbrook a fourth away through this NBA campaign. It's it's hard to put into words, isn't it? I think we've run out of superlatives and um, hyperbole for such an amazing streak. And the, we keep asking, can he sustain it? And we just assume that he can't, but he can. It's It's really just amazing to have seven in a row and then – Against Houston on Friday, it's so impressive that, like, it was a down night for him. He's still got a triple-double, and his numbers actually went down because that's how crazy his season's been. It's just – 
it's been incredible to watch his improvement as a leader, his play in the clutch for the for the most part, and just the the whole package of the craziness that what Russell Westbrook channels into his game is just an experience that um, I'd feel sorry for any NBA fan that they're, if they're missing it right now. What else has been working for the Thunder? I see they have the sixth-ranked defense. Talk a little more positively about Thunder without mentioning the words Russell or Westbrook. All right, let's let's try that because it's very difficult. I think Stephen Adams has been crucial to the defense. Uh, when he's off the floor, it tends to fall apart. They are about, I think the net rating is about 15 points worse when he sits. And Anthony Morrow has been really important since coming back into the rotation. OKC's offense was a bit of a disaster without their star guard. But with him coming off the bench, uh, driving the ball, he's no longer just a, a spot-up shooter. He's putting the ball on the floor, moving, creating open shots for other players. Victor Oladipo shooting 50% from the corners this season. And the defense, led by Andre Roberson as well, whose perimeter defense has been insane. Another great job on James Harden on Friday, holding him to 6-21 shooting. And two of 11 from three, is it's, it's been a sight to see. So there are other aspects you can focus on besides the, the national narrative that is, uh, now we can say it, Russell Westbrook. And now the others on the flip side, how have teams been beating Oklahoma City in their, say, their nine losses or whatnot? I think you just stop everyone but Russell Westbrook. You make, you make the others beat you, and I think that's what a lot of teams are doing. They're focusing on Russell Westbrook, they're collapsing the paint when he drives, making other guys make shots, making other guys get to the basket, and another big thing is turnovers are killing OKC. They had well, Russell had eight on Friday. Uh, they're one of the league leaders in turnovers. Uh, when they the offense get gets bogged down, they don't share the ball. And while they have been a really good clutch team, they're actually the, the second in the clutch this season with a net rating of twenty six point five. But I think I think good offenses that can beat them from the perimeter and uh, OKC does fall asleep on the perimeter at times. That's the key to beating them. You know, this matchup tonight, I want to take a wild guess at that little mini Marcus Smart-Russell Westbrook rivalry that's taken place over the last two years. Marcus has actually always had the biggest games of his career in his hometown, so suffice to say, eyes will be on that. But Adam, and we're here with SB Nation's Adam Joseph. Give me three keys to the game for each team. All right, okay, see, don't turn the ball over. Um, offensive rebounding, a strength, particularly against Boston's weak defensive rebounding. Cancer and Adams will be very important, of course, Russell Westbrook. For the Celtics, it's got to be their wing players. Um, OKC does have a wing deficiency, and Boston have a lot of good wing players, a lot of good tough guards. Avery Bradley's having a terrific season. Marcus Smart's getting back to full health. Their perimeter shooting will be important. Uh, when you when teams beat OKC, they light it up from outside. And like you said, Marcus Smart plays very well in his hometown. Wouldn't surprise me to see him do that again. And the Celtics' improving defense, which we see is getting better by the game after a sluggish start, that will be key to beating Oklahoma City. Yeah, we'll see what happens tonight. Remember, right after the game, too, CLNS Radio goes live with the post-game show on clnsradio.com. And, of course, up in the Granite State, 912.50 a.m. ESPN Radio, New Hampshire. Call in 347-215-7771. That's 347-215-7771. After the Celts game tonight down at OKC. Adam, before we get you out of here, give me a quick prediction and a quick why. Uh, OKC, 106-102. I just think they'll, they'll get back on track. They're starting to figure things out. I just think the home court advantage... The, the loud city uh, effect that one of the best home court advantages of the league, I just think that'll be too much. 
Adam Joseph of SB Nation. Also, B-Ball Breakdown, quick programming plug. Catch Coach Nick's B-Ball Breakdown podcast on the CLNS Radio Network on the mobile podcast app. But back to Adam. Give the Aussie a follow on Twitter at Adam Joseph Sport. Thank you, Adam, for stopping by. And some thank yous to go as it is credit time and the conclusion of episode number 187. Music for this show was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Dietz, and Steph Legrato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is at Celtics underscore beat. I am at CLNS underscore LHR. And you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Once again, thanks to Rappers color commentator Jack Armstrong for joining today's broadcast. And of course, let's not forget Mrs. Joseph and Sheehan. Sponsors shout out Movement Watches, MBMTWatches.com slash Celtics Beat for 15% off your first order with free shipping and returns. Audible, audible.com slash try now for free audiobook along with a 30-day trial period and blue apron. BlueApron.com slash Celtics Beat for three free meals and free shipping. Put it on the board to our audience for listening in, making this podcast the number one podcast on the web dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise. For staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Justin Poulin, founder of the network Nick Chelsea and myself, the executive producer and host. I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio.